All right. Um, how many went to the Braves game and saw Randall on the big screen last night? Anybody? Yeah, good times, right? Super fun, super fun. A lot of you know Harvest, uh, remember Harvest, and he led worship press for a long time. She literally, uh, we were on the screen last night, and then she then she FaceTimed us. It was super fun. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so great. So we had a good time, except they lost. So, sorry, literally, they lose every time we go. So I'm going to stop going to every Braves game. Braves fans, you're welcome. I'm the reason we lost last night. I apologize. So, All right, well, hey, this morning I want to dive in. We are in the season of a series called Kingdom Power. Taking from Acts 1, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. We've been talking for the last five, now six weeks, uh, about what does that look like and what does it mean to be empowered. So I encourage you, if you've not been here, you can go back online. Just go to YouTube, look up Vintage 242 Church, and you can go through all the, the past five weeks. And this morning, I want to take another step in talking uh, about the empowerment. But I, I want to focus uh, and spend a fair amount of time in Galatians 5, talking about this phrase, walking in the Spirit. You can going to put it on the screen for me, walking in the Spirit spirit, right? It speaks to a lifestyle of ongoing empowerment, right? An ongoing empowerment. The idea of walking in the spirit, this idea of surrendering to and giving myself uh, to the work of God's spirit every day of my life. Now, a lot of you probably like me when you were kids, maybe you still do it because it's super fun, right? You get on a bridge or you stand by a creek, you grab a, a pine cone, you grab a stick, and then you put it into the creek just to see how far will the stick or pine cone make it down, right? It's hours and hours and hours of fun, right? You throw it in there and you have a competition to see who can win, right? And so you watch your pine cone. Pine cones, dry pine cones are by far the best. Start using those if you haven't, right? And you sit there and watch that pine cone go down and, and you're what are you hoping? You're hoping this thing get caught on the side by some other branch over here. There's always slack water that just pops up out of the middle of nowhere on the creek, right? And that pine goes goes into the slack water and just spins around like an idiot, right? Just doing this whole thing. You're like, oh my gosh, and you're just praying, God, move on the pine cone, right? Whatever it is. I want to win. And so you have that mentality of you put yourself into that flow and hope that the pine cone will make it all the way down. And when we talk about walking in the Spirit, that's really what I think about. It's, it's, a simp- it's a simple picture, but it really does stick with me, the idea I want to put myself, I want to walk in, I want to put myself and surrender to the flow of God's Spirit so that nothing is stopping me, nothing is hindering, nothing is keeping me from the life that God's called me to live for Him. Not, and nothing's keeping me from living the life uh, that I've been called to live for those that are in need. If there's one thing that's super clear in Scripture is that we've been blessed to what? Be a blessing. It's a phrase to live with. We've been blessed to be a blessing. We've been called to put ourselves into the flow of God's Spirit so that we can then pour out that flow to others that are in need. And so this morning, we want to live this lifestyle of empowerment. It is God's, remember we said, it's God's Spirit that empowers us to do the works of Jesus. I don't know where you grew up, and I'm not sure what you were taught, but the reality is this. Jesus took off of his glorified life to put on a human life to then be empowered by the Spirit of God to do the things that he did. My point is he didn't do the things that he did by being God. He did the things that he did by being a human empowered by God's Spirit. That's a really big deal. It's a really big deal. God's Spirit is upon you to do the things that Jesus did. He was our model. He called us to it, right, to be empowered. So we get to do the works of Jesus. And we said the works of Jesus are expressing his fruit, which we're going to look at this morning. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness on the line. And to do the works of Jesus as it relates to his gifts, the gifts of prophecy, the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues, administration, the pastoring evangelistic gift on down the line, right, to do the things that Jesus did. Here we are talking about empowerment 
here over a life of sin. That's important for us this morning. This has been empowerment through the works of Jesus. This morning we're looking at doing the empowerment over, over a lifestyle of sin. With that in mind, I want to look at two different scriptures. I want to briefly look at Ephesians 5 and look in depth at Galatians chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 14 through 20. I'm reading through from the New American Standard. So Let's dive in. You can follow along the screen. It says this. This is why it said, wake up, O sleeper, from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, Paul here is speaking to the church at Ephesus, okay? He's speaking to those like us who predominantly in this room probably are believers. We would say we are Christ followers, and he's speaking to Jesus' people in the church, and he's imploring them not to fall back into a life and pattern of sin, the life and pattern of sin that they were pulled from. He tells them here, wake up right? Wake up. Wake up because sin, selfishness, and the unhealthy passions of life are always wooing. They're always calling. They're always trying to seduce us back into a spiritual slumber. I will tell you this. Sometimes I believe that a spiritual slumber is more, is more, is dan- more dangerous than just a life of sinful decadence. Right? That sinful slumber of thinking. There's nothing worse than thinking everything's going great and it's not. That's dangerous. I feel like the Church of America is, lives so much in a slumber. And so he's calling them here, do not fall into the slumber. Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. Listen, can you personally attest to these types of wooings, right? Types of wooings and callings from things of the world and passions from your past life and the things of the world, right? And the, and the things, the, the shiny and glittery things of the life that we live in that are trying to pull us away. We still live in a fallen body, not a glorified body. And so in this we're pulled. He tells them, be wise, make the most of every moment, he says. Make the most of every moment. He's saying every moment is special. It's not I live for Jesus 12 hours of my day, and for 12 hours I just kind of do my own thing. He's talking about every moment of your life. Seize every moment. It's crucial to your spiritual success and the life that I've called you to live. And then he says something interesting, something that probably speaks to their actual experience of life here at the church of Ephesus. Right? That doesn't sound too different from our culture. He says, do not get drunk drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. We all know what it means to get drunk on wine. Debauchery, though, is a word you probably don't use very much. It would be a fun word, I'm just saying, to bring back into vocabulary, right? Just start throwing it around everywhere that you go and use debauchery. If you're a school teacher, start using it in class and watch your kids do this. It's a great word, right? It's a powerful word, speaking to recklessness, wastefulness, and excessiveness in life at the risk of others, the cost of the relationships that you are in, right? You've been around, just real practically speaking, you've been around drunk people in life who have a complete disregard for anything or anyone else in their lives, and you and you know people at least who've walked away from friends and maybe even family like this because they're unsafe, right? 
in their selfishness, in their recklessness, they become unsafe for you and you pull away. And Paul's saying, as the church, as you get back into this life of selfishness, you really get engaging this place of recklessness that's impacting negatively the very ones you've been empowered to give your life to. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life, right? Paul is describing the experience of believers, again, falling back into a lifestyle of recklessness. And this is a warning that just because we have Jesus, excuse me, we have Jesus, doesn't mean we still won't be wooed away from Jesus. In turn, Paul gives us a practical reality that we must never lose sight of. It's practical yet profound. He says, don't get drunk with wine but instead be filled with the Spirit. To compare these, they're both about filling. When you get drunk, you're getting filled with wine, whatever it may be, right? To be filled with God's Spirit is another filling, but drunkenness means to be filled recklessly, selfishly. To be filled here, as it relates to be filled with the Holy Spirit, means to be filled to the full measure, perfectly, with intent. I'm filled with intent to build up, to encourage, and to deeply love others in verses 19 through 20. What would it be like? I don't know. What would it what would it be like to actually like this like like uh, just literally to to live out verses 19 through 20? What if all of a sudden I walked into you, walked up to you today and started speaking to you with psalms and hymns and started singing songs from the Spirit over you, right? I'm going to sing and make music from my heart to you, Jay. We're going to just sing to one another all day long. This is going to be so great. Emily's going to be sitting next to you going, this is awkward, and just walk away, right? It would be super great. But my point is, it's coming in, and there's this beautiful piece of that. In reality, yes, but what he's coming is saying, this is an expression of love. It's an expression of Jesus flowing between you, that you are Jesus-centered in your conversation. I could, it could literally be practical, physical, literal, but it's this piece of just when you're with one another that you are living to build up, right? You're living to encourage. You're living to speak life. This is what you've been designed for, right? You're, you're living in this way to be, isn't And here's the powerful thing about this. Don't get drunk with wine. You know people, it's like 5 o'clock somewhere every day for them, right? And you've got other people over here who are like, it's 5 o'clock every day with God's Spirit to be filled. Because the language here, the language here is be continually being filled with God's Spirit. It's a present tense imperative. It's a beautiful language. Be continually being filled with God's Spirit. And so he's saying in this moment, when here's the point. In this moment, when you're living your life and feeling lack, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is always present to fill you at every moment, in every situation, every day of your life. You want to come over here and get drunk because it causes an escape. I get it. It's a cheap counterfeit because when you wake up, what happens? You feel like crap. Sorry. And then all of a sudden you get filled with God's spirit and you wake up and go, this is amazing. And so he's talking about this life of continually being filled with his spirit. So in this, it's beautiful, simple and clear. When you give your life to Jesus, we'll be tempted You will be drawn away, but you can continually be filled with God's spirit so that you can then fulfill your purpose of loving God and loving your neighbor. That's the call. 
And so what I would say to you, just press pause, it's real practical. I pray when I pray. This is important. I get before the Lord and say, God, I don't feel like you're filling me. Honestly, is that how you feel the way sometimes? Like, I, just, I don't feel like you're filling me. But I know by faith and confidence that you are always true to your word. And so may, even though I don't feel it, I trust that you are filling me, you are with me, you have given me strength, your grace that I don't deserve is upon me, your mercy, Lord, is upon me, your love is for me, God, and everything that I need pertaining to life and godliness is in me because of the work of knowing Jesus. Now, God, what is true, would you awaken me to it? And that's your prayer. I can't tell you, here's five easy steps to begin feeling the presence of the Lord. I can't do that. But I can tell you, step in by faith and say, I don't feel it, but it's true. There is no greater step of faith than saying, God, I don't feel, I can't see, whatever it is, but I know it's true because you promised it. And that is a place of maturity for you to say, God, I hate what Steve said last Sunday morning. I don't think it's necessarily true, but I'm going to try it, right? Then try it. Try it and say, God, I give this to you. I don't feel it. I don't see it. I'm not experiencing it. But I believe because you promised it and you're always true that it is true. Now awaken me to it in Jesus' name. See what happens. All right, that's this Ephesians. Now let's dive in. We've got plenty of time. It's already 11 o'clock. It's fantastic. Sorry, here we go. We're going to dive in now to Galatians 5. Galatians 5, 13 through 25. I'm going to go quickly. Everybody say quickly. Thank you for giving me grace to do it. Here we go. Oh, my God, man. All right. Barry's like, shut up, Steve. Just preach this word. All right. Here we go. 15, verse 13, verse 13 of chapter 5 of Galatians, going through verse 25. I encourage you, spend some time here this week on your own. I'm a decent teacher, but God can teach you better than I can. Here we go. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you see that? That's the call. That's what we're filled by God's spirit to do, to love God by loving our neighbor. That's how we express love for God, by loving our neighbor. If you bite and devour, uh, yeah, if you bite, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Promise. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you do or you're not doing what you want to do. But if you were led by the spirit, you were not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, you know this list. Impurity, debauchery, just use that word. Idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit, love, Joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, as we walk by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Powerful. I will say, 
the most profound experience I ever had in my life up to the moment when I was 20, 19, 18, 20 years old. God led me to this, and it was as if this entire chapter came alive for one and a half hours, and I sat in my dorm room in college, and just like he was just pouring out over me was this Galatians 5. It's just stuck with me forever. So powerful. So Galatians 5 is Paul expressing, listen, he's expressing the same tension between a life in the flesh and a life in the spirit as we looked at in Ephesians. This is very, very similar. This time he is saying, People are taking, and listen, this is important. There are two types of people here. Those who are taking advantage of God's grace, taking advantage of God's grace, say, well, he'll just forgive me, so I'll go ahead and sin. And then people who are turning to the rigid legalism of the law, returning back to the law, returning back to the rules and regulations that had kept them in bondage all the way through the Old Testament, right? And they were not living the freedom of God's gift of salvation and grace. So they're living this tension. So rather than falling into, so in this point, this, this nature of legalism and self-pride, it's brutal, it's powerful, whatever it is. Now, here we go, verse 13. He says, I'm calling you to be free. I'm calling you to freedom. He is speaking about freedom from the impossible to keep rule and regulations of law found in the Old Testament. Now, again, not to dive in deep into all of it, but you have the law. Basically, God said, hey, I want to create the rules and the regulations, the boundaries for humanity. We see it in the Ten Commandments, different laws in the Old Testament. He says, these are your boundaries. These are the things that if you do them, they're going to negatively hurt you. They're going to impact you. They're going to keep you from relationship with God, so don't do them. And so he gave out the list, but here's the important thing to know. He gave the rules and regulations, but that's all they were. They were just a list of right and wrong. Once given, each person was then responsible in their own power to fulfill the obligations set out by God. They were told to give, they were given rules and told to obey, but here's the issues. Rules and regulations, the law itself, never empowers anyone. It's just a list. It never empowers. It informs. It doesn't empower. The result... People couldn't abide by and fulfill all the rules, and then in turn they were living in the guilt and shame of always falling into sin. I don't know about you, but have you ever experienced to just kind of keep on falling and falling and falling and falling, and you just live and define by the shame of it? And they're living in this, like, I just can't clean myself, I can't get myself right. But Jesus came to bring freedom. You know the story. Jesus fulfilled the law. He lived a perfect life. He says, in living a perfect life, for now, for those who believe I lived a perfect life, that I came to die for you, was resurrected, I will then put my perfect life on you, and you will no longer live in guilt. You'll no longer live in shame. He puts that freedom upon us and says, now you can live in this freedom. So when Jesus looks at you, he just sees Jesus. He sees himself. It's a powerful move, the power move by Jesus. Power move. So in this, sin is not okay then for us. Right? He will forgive us. But that leads to the tension here. They're living this place of grace. You didn't deserve this, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. You don't deserve to be saved, but I'm going to save you. You don't deserve to be free from sin, but I'm going to give that to you because I love you. But here's the tension. Paul is speaking again to people first in verse 13 who say, God will forgive me no matter what, so why not sin all I want to? And then you have the people who are going back to the law because like, I can't live in this cheap grace. I've got to go back over here. So they went either one side or the other. And in both sides, they are abusing grace 
and hurting relationship. Here we go. Paul says in verse 13, just because you will be forgiven doesn't mean you should feel the freedom to sin. Why? Because that's absolute selfishness. Don't abuse your freedom for selfish gain because that is reckless. You're using your freedoms for your own person. You're using your freedoms for your own selfish desires. And it is reckless. How many people know that? How many, do you know anybody who's used their freedoms and using their freedoms to what they want to do? They hurt people. And he's saying when you do that, that is reckless. You cannot, you cannot abuse God's grace. Freedom is for you, for others. Another way of saying it is this. Your Christian freedom is not a license to sin, but an opportunity to serve. That's what Paul's getting at. When you choose sin, expecting, listen, when you choose sin, just saying, but you're going to forgive me, you're engaging debauchery. It's a level of recklessness, wastefulness, and excessiveness that damages your relationship with God, and it hurts the people that you're around, whether you know it or not. Paul's saying, don't do that. Comes then in verse 14, says the proper thing is to love your neighbor, right? That's the selfless thing to do. We're going to look at that here in a second. But this isn't happening in either direction. In verse 13, they're selfishly abusing their freedom. But in verse 15, Paul is speaking to people who, in their freedom, are now trying to, to live by rules and regulations. Look at verse 15 just real quick. It says, you, if you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you'll be destroyed by each other. He's talking to Christians who are just beating each other up every single day by their rules and the regulations, by their personal convictions of right and wrong, and they've lost an understanding of giving grace and showing mercy and loving people that they are around, right? The law, they're using the law, they're devouring each other. In their attempt to fulfill the law in their own strength, they become competitive. They compare themselves to others, fighting for their own convictions. They were using their freedom to fight for and defend self, not to fight for, show grace, and love others. And it was decimating the church. They were ready to break relationship with people over religious matters. For them, it was circumcision, Sabbath, food law, food laws, while treating fellow believers as enemies to be defeated. The picture of devouring here is the picture of a pack of wild animals attacking one another. Press pause. I'm not going to fall into some ditch of naming specifics, but have you seen anybody trying to devour somebody else in our culture in the last five years? Have you seen it in the news? Have you seen it in politics? Have you seen it in the church? Listen, there are all sorts of now, like, just documentaries out there just, like, slamming the church. Do you hop on board the documentaries to go slam a brother or sister in Christ who had a moral failing? Or do you pray for them because you have compassion because you know at any moment you could fall too? We're devouring each other, y'all. Pharisees always do that. Law can be used, cannot, listen, law, the law cannot be used to draw people together. Right and wrong, just fighting. The law separates. Only the Holy Spirit can empower people to live a life of love and a life of grace. And that's what leads to verse 16. Verse 16 says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We live in this world of falling into sin, of getting into legalism and Pharisaism over here on both sides. We see it all the time. 
we have two choices in how we live life. Surrender to the leading of the Holy Spirit or surrender to the leading of our fleshly desires. The Spirit and the flesh always have differing appetites. One loves others only. Fights for others. Defends others. Gives themselves to others. And one loves self and fights for self, and fights for their personal convictions at the cost of relationship. I'm not saying you don't have convictions, but you know what it looks like to have convictions and beat somebody up with them, and to have convictions and love someone because you know to engage this conviction, it helps them. It's a huge difference. We have our convictions, but one leads to life, and one leads to beating up. Separation, disconnect. The Spirit leads us to love our neighbor in the same way that we love self. This is important. What does it mean to love your neighbor as you love yourself? Here's a picture. The same instinct, hear this, the same instinct we experience to protect self is the same instinct we should have in protecting and loving others. You remember when you were growing up, I was listening to a comedian say this the other day, like back when we were kids, y'all know who we are, right? Back when we were kids, you didn't need seatbelts. Why? Because you had your mom and dad's arm. We were always good, right? That's what it was. Whoa, car stopped in front, right? Had the arm, the holy arm made of protection. Oh, I'm good, right? You know, what? this is what happened. Car would stop. My mom wouldn't think, oh, my gosh, should I keep my hand on the wheel to protect myself because I really love myself? Or do I put my arm out to save my son? What should I do? Instinct. Just like that, right? Instinct. That's what it means to love your neighbor as you love yourself. The same instinct that you have to fight for and to defend and to protect yourself at all times. You literally live every single day for everyone else to fight for, defend, and protect them without even thinking as an instinctual response. Because that's just what Holy Spirit does through people who are filled with him and walking by his spirit. Powerful. Powerful. If we walk in the Spirit, we don't gratify selfish desires. We don't fight for self only. We gratify the Spirit's desire, which is produce life in us to give to others. And as we said from Ephesians, the Spirit is available to fill us every day to have success over our flesh so that we can love others. Verse 18 says, but if you were then led by the Spirit. So you walk in the Spirit. But if you were led, what it means is this, very literally, if you are willing, this is important, if you are willingly led. That's what it means, literally in the Greek. I don't need to interpret it. It means to, if you're led by the Spirit, if you're willingly led. And that should cause you to go, huh. Am I living every day choosing to willingly be led by God's Spirit? Guys, it's not hard. You know if you are or not. Right? You know. I don't have to like, try to figure it out and give you ten points to figure it out. This is how I know. You know. You know what you're thinking about during the day. You know what you're talking about. You know where your life is leading you. When you look, and this is it. When I'm standing here and someone does something over here and I look, what is my instinctual response? That will tell you everything you need to know. Do I have compassion? Do I have love? Or do I have frustration? And do I have angst? It just speaks to where we are in our spirit. 
If you were willingly led, Jesus today, I literally pray on Jesus today, you know how terrible I am. This is a prayer I pray almost every day. This isn't verbatim, but almost every day. I say almost every day because I don't pray all the time, but I do pray when I'm thinking about it. Jesus, you know how bad I am at living my life, and I'm always going to choose myself, and I'm sorry for that. But I thank you for your grace and your mercy and your power to help me live for others today. I told Randall the other day, I said, I, I am more in love with you. And this is like day, yesterday, so yesterday or the day before, I can't remember. I am more happy than I ever have been being married to you. She's like, what's different? I said, I just think I realize how big a jerk I've been. I need to love you better. And when I did that, I enjoyed our marriage more. <laughs> That's what I said. I realized the fault in our marriage was all me and not her. I was being a jerk. I was selfish. I was self-absorbed. I always thought that I was right all the time because I usually am, but I'm not really right. You know, that dynamic. And so I'm like, ah, it is more important to, to love and be in relationship than to be right. Right? It's a powerful thing here. Willingly led by God's spirit. Now, it's super interesting, again, in the, you know the list. I see, see, this is verse 18. It's very similar to Romans 12, 1. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God every day, which means every single day you wake up willingly, will, ready to surrender your leadership today, Jesus. Right? It's a beautiful, powerful thing. And he goes, now, now, let's lay out a list here for those who are living in the extremes. Those who are living in sin, right? Those who are living over here in self-righteousness. This is their list right here. It's not an exhaustive list. It's a non-exhaustive list. If you really spent time and broke down these terms with people in the room, it would get awkward. You pick out the awkward ones when I say them, okay? Here we go, starting in verse 9. I just want you to see them again. I want you to hear them. I want you to get awkward. I'm going to press. I might just dive into one and see how awkward you get. Here we go. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage and just getting angry all the time, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. Guys, just real quick. Factions, people on two opposite sides that can't find a way connect by the power of God's love is an expression of, of immorality and of sin and a life in the flesh. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Factions. Um, let's get some of the good ones here. Envy, drunkenness, orgies. Who talks about that in church and the like? I warn you, listen, it's, listen, it's off the awkward list. I mean, it really is. I'm like, oh, my God, I don't want to read this in church. This is like a holy place, right? It's those things. It's non-exhaustive. What are the things for you? What are the non-exhaustive list of things that you find yourself being drawn to and wooed to? You have them. I have them. Do you want my list? Because I'm not going to give it to you. But I have it. So do you. These are the things we give ourselves to. Are those the things defining your life right now? Then it gives a, listen, you, the fruit shows you what the tree is that's making it. The fruit is to tell you what's happening in your life if you're living in the flesh or in the spirit. All I'm asking you to do, listen, listen real quick. All I'm asking all of you to do, please don't beat yourself up and don't throw stones at somebody else. Please don't throw stones at somebody else if their tree's unhealthy. You just be honest with yourself about the tree that you are living out and expressing right now. Just be honest. Start there and say, God help. God help. Because we want to live what? 
this really non-exhaustive list, non-exhaustive of the fruit of God's spirit. Verses 22 through 23, love and joy. Listen, the fruit of those who are walking in the spirit, being led by the spirit and keeping in step with the spirit are expressing the fruit of love. And all the relationships, joy, they're experiencing, giving it away. Peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Why do I say it's non-exhaustive? Because I could add to the list, when I give myself to Jesus and walk in the Spirit, my life will be defined by hope. When I give myself to Jesus and I'm walking in the Spirit, I will be spiritually fulfilled and satisfied and need nothing else. Listen, the fruit that Jesus brings to your life is non-exhaustive. It can be anything. What are the fruit outside of this list that you've experienced in life because of the work of Jesus in your life? It's a great list. But I think Jesus is saying, I can do so much more, right? It's, it's just the beginning. It's just a taste of the goodness that I can produce in those who are walking in my spirit, surrendering to him, throwing the pine cone of their life into the stream, and just flowing with Jesus. It's powerful. I don't know about you. I like hanging out with people who produce Jesus' fruit. Verse 24 and 25. There's something I wrote down in my other notes. This is not saved correctly, so I apologize. Mm, what was it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So in this, talking about the fruit, I know what time it is. <clears throat> Barry gave me permission. You can blame him. Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel 47 is a story, like a metaphor, the symbolism of the city of God in this river that flows from it, right? River that flows from it. It's really powerful. And in that, it represents the presence of God being among his people. And it says, uh, is it it, it in my notes, verse 12? Can you put it in there for me, please? Here we go. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Just press pause. He's talking about you. You are a tree. Okay? Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary of God's spirit flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. This is speaking about those who come to the tree of the tree of Jephtherinsky. And they partake. And it brings healing. And it brings restoration. It's food. Is it his food? He goes, no. Because he's just planted his root in the flow of God's spirit. And it flows out to those who are around. Verse 24, 25, then we're done. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Paul makes it clear, guys. When you give your lives to Jesus, you surrender to Jesus. Please don't unsurrender. Don't resuscitate the sin and the brokenness that you left behind. Instead, verse 25, live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. Listen, I love my dog, Pugan. 
right? Sometimes. And you, you've seen her sometimes, like if you seen, like during like COVID when we were at home, we had our dog, she'd jump up in our lap. It was super sweet and annoying, right? And so we, she's, she's, she's fine. And so when we go for walks, which are very rare, right? I'll just confess, we're terrible, terrible dog owners. You know what it's like. You stick on that leash. Oh, this is the best thing ever. And you start walking. You know what happens? She ain't walking by the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit, a.k.a. Steve. Man, that dog, man, she's like, and I'm, I'm walking this. Also, my arm just goes backwards like this. I mean, man, if you catch me in the bed, I'm going to fall right over the ground. You know what I'm saying, man? This ain't good. Like, that dog, man, she and I can't keep it in step. So, man, but you run her long enough, man. She's like, just get me home. And she's like, just walk. And it's like, and it's the best walk ever. The first half is like in sin. The second half is in the spirit, guys, right? And I want you to be like pooking on the second half of that trip, y'all. No, that's what we're talking about here. Listen, keep, listen, now that you live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Guys, that's the life we've been called to live. You can, uh, Aaron, go ahead and come. And I know it's late, guys, so we, as soon as I get done praying, if you need to leave, you're more than welcome to do that. We wouldn't take some time and pray for people like we always do on Sunday mornings. And so if you can stay, great. If you need to go, great. Blessings on you. The response this morning, one, I just want you to begin to be honest. I want you to be honest about the life that you're living, the life of the flesh, the life of the spirit. Where are you? What type of fruit are you producing? Who, when people are around you, what type of fruit do they partake from you? If it's not fruit in keeping with God's spirit, then say, God, I I am a pine cone. (laughs) I just throw myself into your river. And Jesus, help me to stay in your flow. Make me, God, not like Pugin, that demon dog, Lord. Would you make me... (laughs) Would you make me like Pugin on the second half? God, I want to be surrendered to you. I want to keep in step with your spirit. Listen, how do we do this? Go back, we do this intentionally. Go back and listen to the first several months when we talked about the spiritual disciplines, the arrows of God's spirit that we shoot that puts us into his presence to be shaped into his image. I don't have to do a how-to. We did three months of it. Go back and just listen to the practice of silence and solitude, the practice of worship, the practice of reading scripture that that Mike Farley led us through. Go back and read about these steps that you can take that literally put you into the presence of God. And all of a sudden, God's spirit begins to flow and the sin that used to so easily entangle doesn't anymore because you are now in fellowship with him, keeping in step with your spirit. If you have, listen, last thing I'll say. If you have habitual sin, you have habitual sin. You've been placed in a body of believers so people can come alongside of you, ask you questions, hold you accountable. Maybe you need to get in part of a group because there's just something that's just too much for you, right? Maybe you need to go to, to, to Celebration Recovery, Celebrate Recovery, or um, be a part of our sexual um, uh, purific- pure, you know, sexual purification group here, whatever it's called, like the Pure Desire that, that, that Taylor leads. Like this group saying, I don't want to be bound up sexually, God. Pure Desire, God, I want to love you, know you, I want to be part of this group that holds me accountable, walks me through practical steps. Sometimes it takes that. And there is no shame in that. Whatever it takes, if you need help, we would love to help you get to that place. You've been designed perfectly produce the fruit of God's spirit by the work of God's spirit in you. All right, Jesus, bless each person here. We love you. Amen.
All right, if you need to go, you can go. You can offering baskets here every week. People on the side will be here to pray for you for anything in your life. Don't forget to get your kids. That's super important. Uh, communion's available every Sunday. We would love for you to partake today. Remember the work of God in your life. This is what he's done to save you. We love you guys. Have a great week.